here. Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits. Coming to you live from the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Hey everyone, yep. this is Liza and I am tired. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> wow, just a week of fun. You can probably hear it in my voice. Um... Hey everyone, I just got back from the Maricade. I've got some stories to tell you. Um, but first, let's get to who is here in the studio with me. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody! They all, nope. they all went home. Actually, um, uh, everyone, yeah. Emma, so, <laughs> yeah, Emma, a chair collapsed on her and she fell back and hit her head today. Oh no! So she was feeling a little well, out of it. I know. Jeez. And uh, John's yeah. still gone. And uh, Doug, three of his coworkers, uh, tested positive for COVID. So he said, I'm just going to avoid you guys right now. And Oh, my God. Well, Jim has a girlfriend. So, <laughs> mm. uh, so uh, but fortunately, I have Bagel here because I can always rely on the Bagler. Hey, Bagel. Aww. Hello. I am here. Hey. What's good? <laughs> I know. I appreciate it. You have been here thick and thin um glad to be here so yeah i just want to give a quick update um i went to americade you remember last week we talked to Kristen dutcher and yeah. uh yeah got to meet him in real life and uh was there for a whole week in fact last week right after the show yep very, <laughs> very soon after the show <laughs> yeah and in fact today i had to leave for the airport at like midnight our time my time and mm. then yeah, so basically I had um I watched the sunrise in New York. I ate breakfast in Chicago and then I had lunch here in California. Yep. And uh came to the garage. We had a nice crowd came. We had some new people come. We had some listeners stop by, one who was traveling north and one who was traveling south and made oh, nice. plans so that they could stop in here at the garage and hang out. So oh, that was awesome. that was fun. And uh, another guy brought a really cool uh, one. Tw- uh, it was a uh, oh, now I'm in a blank. Um, Kagiva, oh, one twenty five cc two stroke sport bike that looks like a Ducati. Oh, nice! Like from the sixties? No, from the nineties, I think. Oh wow, cool! Plated, plated. He got it plated. Ooh, yeah. fancy. Yeah, so big thanks to Emma for opening the garage and being here and uh, taking care of everyone until I got here. <clears throat> then we just hung out most of the day. Uh, mm-hmm. The guy with the Kagiv actually replaced his rotors. Um, but yeah, cool. not a lot done. But yeah, I'm tired. I want to I wanna tell you a little bit about Americade, though. This was yeah. uh, a first time for me to be there. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I'll be honest, Bagel, it was kind of embarrassing. Um, Yeah, kind of embarrassing that I didn't really realize where I was. Yeah. In that I kept seeing all these signs that said, like, the Adirondack Inn and Adirondack Grill. And I went, wait, I'm in the Adirondacks? Mm Mm-hmm. I always heard of them, never knew where they were. I was there. You were there? Yeah. So now my next goal is to accidentally end up in the Berkshires because I don't know where they are either. <laughs> I used to live in the Berkshires, actually. <laughs> but I've heard about them. Um, yep. So, yeah, it's beautiful up there. In, in mm-hmm. like, I guess, is it Lake Country? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, also, yeah. big thanks to my host, Lily. She's one of the chick stanners. Beautiful Very house cool. on a lake with a ton of bedrooms. That's oh, nice. Yes, it was nice. Wow. Beautiful there. Um, so yeah, went down to Americade and um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw this out there. Um, a big apology from me to most of the people there who I passed judgment on, I'm just gonna say. Oh, what did you do? <laughs> well, bagel. Um, it's no secret that I sometimes make fun of certain types of writers. Yes. And there was a lot of them there. Yeah. There were a lot of, uh, leather vests, some with patches, some without, there were a lot of the fake helmets, you know, that, you know, little short helmets. I, there was fingerless gloves, you know, there, Mm -hmm. there was, you know, military boots, uh, there was a lot of um, patches, a lot of, um, oh, you could buy uh, leather whips and bandanas everywhere. My apology is because I realized that there is a faction of Harley, not just Harley, Indy and all of them, but writers who dress up like LARPers, what I call LARPers, but who are serious writers. Oh, yeah. And I realized, oh, okay, here they are. Here's yeah. my people. Right. They they really exist, even though there are countless this is people who, out there trying to emulate them. This is who the LARPers are dressing up like. Right. These are, <laughs> the, these are, yeah, these are, yeah. I, I'm, real well, bikers. as you'll, as you'll hear later, I'm not supposed to say real bikers. Hmm. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I got schooled. I'm not saying okay. real bikers, but I'm going to say um, these are serious bikers. Yeah. Definitely. And these are not weekend riders. These are people who put in the miles. So um, they, I got schooled in that and they mm-hmm. were the nicest people in the world. Cool. Everyone was nice. Yep. Um, I had a great time just meeting all the people. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, eye-opening for me. Like, okay, here they mm-hmm. are. You know, yeah. we got a certain, uh, tell you what, here's how I determine, here's how I set it apart. Not a single lady in a bikini. Not a mm. single. I'm like, aha, that's how you know these are the serious bikers. Um, so, yeah, um, a big thanks to Christian and Sam, Kim, and Lisa, who were all organized there. Who were who, they were running around crazy all weekend, just taking care of stuff. Uh, but they took care of us and gave us um, a lot of. They gave us access to do a lot of stuff. I uh, I didn't have a golf cart, so I just adopted the dirt bike. I'm gonna take it everywhere, cool. and uh, it was my shuttle. And so I would ride uh, into the different areas where you're not supposed to be able to let people in on motorcycles, but I would just go. And I wore my <laughs> Evil Knievel jacket, so all the security kind of learned it was me and just like, yep, like waved oh, on. She's, she's okay. <laughs> but a couple times it was changing of the shift. It was a new person, and they would like mm. try and like wave me down, like, no, no, you can't come in here. And I'd say, try, no, no. try and catch me. <laughs> just keep it's, riding. It's okay. I have an Evil Knievel suit. <laughs> 
Yeah. So I told Christian, like, you might get some complaints from a person in an evil, evil jacket. Um, yeah. So there was a lot of, there were a lot of vendors there. There was a lot of test rides. And this is, cool. he said, this is kind of their big thing. And now I see it. They nice. had um, zero. Well, a great place to do it. Zero was there. I yeah. ran into a bunch of people that I know from here there. That was cool. Uh, Honda. Um, oh, and I want to tell you, I was impressed that Honda brought out their PCX uh, scooter, the 400. Oh, did they? That was, yeah, that was available for test rides. Wow. I never got to ride it, but that was the one I'm like, I want to try that. Mm-hmm. Um, it looked pretty cool. And yeah, uh, we had Indian, Harley, uh, Yamaha, Triumph, KTM. Cool. That's a pretty good spread. It was pretty good. And um, one thing I was pretty impressed with, Triumph and Indian were the only two that let you, it was first come, first serve. You could just take a bike. They just give you the keys and you go do a self-guided tour. Oh, wow. Very cool. This is pretty cool. And I've never yeah. seen this before because usually they want to send people out with a lead and a follow and make sure you're not speeding and make sure you come back. Yeah, and everyone else did that. Yeah, everyone else did that. And that was fine. Mm-hmm. It was a nice path. And they, you know, they let us pepper it a little bit sometimes. That was yeah. fun. Um, but I was very impressed again that they just said, here's the keys. Be back in 20, 25 minutes. And cool. what they did, and this is smart, they set up a route. Mm-hmm. And what they did is that you'd go down the highway, and if you saw one orange arrow, that meant your turn is coming up. Mm. And when you saw two orange arrows, it meant this is it. So you nice. turn, and you go up the road, and then you'd see another arrow telling you, oh, get ready, it's coming. Two arrows, oh, you're turning. It got you on the freeway, took you up mm-hmm. like an exit or two, got you off and you just look for those arrows and it took you on a nice curvy road and it was a nice laid out route. Mm-hmm. And they're like, and if you want to go somewhere else, just be back in 25 minutes. We don't really care. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And I thought that was really cool. I've not experienced yeah. that before. So shout out to uh triumph and Indian for doing it that way. Yeah. Um, everyone else did guided tours on two different um, routes, common routes. Um, I tried, the let's see, so the Indian FTR because it's a cool looking bike and I just had to mm-hmm. yeah and it is a cool looking mm-hmm. bike and it's a fast bike and if you're into a power cruiser then that is a good option no complaints but I'm okay. not into a power cruiser yeah. and I also tried the Indian Scout that looked really cool that had some brown leather bags on it and stuff I actually okay. didn't like it the riding position was uncomfortable the seat was uncomfortable hmm. Was it just like too far forward or? Um, it was a small seat and then it had this mm. leather pouch on the back that kind of cut into my ass. It might be Ooh. the problem that I have a big ass. I don't know. Well, um, lots but, of people do. So. You know, you know. <laughs> yeah. I tried yeah, the Yamaha. I tried the Tenere 700, mm-hmm. which I'm going to circle back to because I'm going to make a declaration in a second. Mm. Okay. I also tried the MT10 just for fun. Good, fun, powerful, kind of naked sport bike. Mm-hmm. Not my thing anymore, but felt really good. Good engine. It was, it was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, tried the, oh, Zero. They um, they had, they were the first booked up every oh, wow. day. Nice. They were like, they were jamming. 
That's awesome. And they've they've got it sorted out where they have rented this giant generator trailer hmm. that can charge the bikes up because that's yep. kind of the biggest oh yeah thing that's to the, sort out is how to yeah. keep rides going all day. That's the biggest limiting factor. And charging. So um, on the last day or second to last day, Haley and I were like, oh, we really wanted to ride them. Well, I've ridden them, but uh, Haley mm-hmm. hadn't. Oh, wow. So they're like, come back after the last ride. We'll take you out. Nice. And they did. Cool. They took us out. What, so, what bikes did you try? So I tried the um, the SRF. Okay. And I just found that I'm at that age where I can't ride those kind of bikes anymore. I needed mm. to fold my legs up too tight. It was yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. And you hadn't ridden the SRF before? I'd, maybe around here. I, I think our, okay. I've ridden a SR... But um, but yeah, Haley though was like, wow, yeah. wow. And she took which one, the, the SRF as well, or uh, she may have had the SRS, I think. Ah, cool. Um, so she was blown away. She loved <laughs> nice. it. Nice, that's awesome. And they they felt this way. These did feel more refined to me than previous bikes. I remember in earlier models, it seemed to make a louder. <laughs> And that seems to be toned down. I don't know hmm. if that was my imagination. Yeah. Um, but my, and then I also, I went to KTM and I rode the 1290 Adventure and the 890 Adventure. Mm-hmm. You know, my blood runs orange, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 1290 Adventure, very similar, I'd say, to the Africa Twin, the GS, Tenere 1200. They're all up there. Yeah. Um, lots of bells and whistles, great bike. Um, and I rode the... Um, the adventure R, which is the real, like the off-road one. Mm-hmm. The S is more on-road, but adventure styling that has, I guess, a little more bells and whistles. But I rode the mm-hmm. R. It felt good. But here's the thing. Yeah. To me, the 890 adventure felt lighter and punchier. Mm-hmm. I would imagine. The 1290 felt like I'm on a touring bike now. Yeah, because it's and a big bike. I, I will say... And I know this is this is a big this isn't my big declaration. This mm-hmm. is a, a little side declaration I'm making. To me, the 890 Adventure might be the closest to a perfect bike. Mm. Wow. Might be the closest to a perfect bike that you can do everything on. Mm. Now I say closest to perfect, but now I'm going to come back to the Tenere 700. Okay. So my my declaration about the Tenere 700 is I am going to crown it through because I have been given permission to by me. Um <laughs> crown it the it it now trumps the KLR 650 as a better all-around bike. Now, wow. all-around means and I haven't taken it in the dirt yet, but I've talked mm-hmm. to people who have. Okay. Um Long Haul Paul, he's been on our show. He's there. Right. He's tours on a uh, Tenere 700, does mm. long distance on it. Yeah. It's touring capable. I know people have taken in the dirt, dirt capable. Um, but it is also simple, no frills, not a lot of electronics, no traction control, none of that stuff, mm-hmm. which makes it affordable, like the yeah. KLR, and easy to maintain like the KLR. Yeah. So my important. declaration is it 
now I think surpasses the KLR as better at everything it does. So it, oh, I'm awarding it the best Swiss Army knife motorcycle that you could buy right now. That's my opinion. Wow. Alrighty then. But it's not perfect. Okay. The 890 Adventure did everything better. It went up to 11. Mm-hmm. But it's not affordable. Right. And it's not simple. Right. So it doesn't win the Swiss Army Award. But to me, it fit, It gets the almost perfect sweet spot bike. Yeah. That I wanted the Tenere 700 to be. I was mm-hmm. expecting the Tenere 700 to be the perfect sweet spot bike. Mm-hmm. To me, the 890 mm. Adventure was, but it's not the best Swiss Army Hmm. But do you think it's possible to get there without all of the complexity and bells and whistles, though? The Tenere? To, no, to get to that, to, that perfect bike, I mean. Oh, I don't know. I'm just saying this was for me. I mean, everybody has right. something uh, different yeah. they want in a bike. Like, for me, that's my sweet spot. So, right. just to clarify, in my opinion, my sweet spot, the 890 Adventure, hits it more than any other bike. In my declaration for everyone, and you can fight me on this, is that the Mm -hmm. Tenere 700 is the best Swiss Army knife bike. That's what I'm Mm -hmm. saying. Okay. Yeah. Do do you think that it could be improved to make it as as good as or even better than the the KTM? Oh. Like like with a a bigger engine? No, I don't. No. 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 No? Because you lose simplicity i mean the thing with the ktm is it is a performance bike so it gives you all the feelies that's the spot that i need hit yeah you can't uh, yeah no (laughs) no all right uh yeah just it just yeah so that's kind of my my declaration that i'm making about those two bikes one's an opinion and one i'm stating as a fact okay Fight me. <laughs> you can send your emails to phil at clevelandmoto.com. No, wrong address. <laughs> <laughs> clevelandmoto at gmail.com. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, we we did presentations. We did, uh, we emceed stuff. Um, we, we did some seminars. Haley and I, we just, we made up a seminar. It wasn't on the schedule. Called a mm-hmm. uh, t- uh, uh, short rider tall bike. Nice. And the guys over at the Triumph um, uh, tent, they let us borrow a twelve hundred scrambler, and just we just announced that we were doing it. People followed us over, and then more people kind of came over, and it was men and women and everyone. And we showed yeah. them the basically the tripod technique that kind of I learned from like. Um, actually I learned it from Pat Jakes first, but Jocelyn Snow uses it. It's great technique. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. Yeah. Um, we just, we just had nice. a good time and, um, oh, you want to hear some of the interesting awards? Sure. The youngest rider to ride there was mm-hmm. I believe 16. Wow. And she cool. has two Harleys and a ninja. <laughs> wow. I know, right? <laughs> Didn't start it early. That's great. I know. Um, the oldest couple to mm-hmm. ride there. Uh, she's 83 and he's 87. Wow. 
That's mm-hmm. awesome. She's a live wire. She's funny. She was in our women's fashion show too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the oldest uh, person to ride there and not trailer there to ride there. Mm-hmm. He came 700 miles. Wow. And he is, I believe 96 years old. Holy cow. Yeah. Man. Yeah. That is amazing. On his Harley. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Uh, but then one of the ones that was a surprise to me was they awarded uh, to a couple the longest distance travel to come to Americade. Oh, very cool. And they traveled, I think it was like 8,000 miles. Oh, man. Yes. That's awesome. Taking the long way there. Yep. And when they called them up to get the award, I went, wait a minute. You look (laughs) familiar. (laughs) I know them. It's some listeners of ours from here, like Los Gatos. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think they're in Los Gatos, who've been to the garage. And I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) And they- I know you. (laughs) They were doing a cross country and made it to Americade and saw me. And yep. then they're continuing their trip. I'm like, well, I'll see you back home. So that was quite a surprise. <laughs> awesome. That's great. Yeah. It was a, a lot of fun. Good times. Um, another cool thing about it, though. Yeah. Is that Alonzo Bowden was there performing. Oh, excellent. Uh, have you seen his comedy? No, I haven't. So um, he, uh, I saw his comedy and, um, uh, well, you'll hear it in a second. I'm going to play that interview. And um, he kind of threw away his usual comedy and he just started engaging with the audience and talking to them and kind of riffed Mm -hmm. an entire comedy set. And it was pretty, pretty fun to watch. He's, you know, he's a pro at what he does and Mm -hmm. he's, he's a biker and a comedian, equal billing on both. Um, Very cool. So I had the opportunity to interview him live on stage Mm -hmm. and so i'm going to share it now so enjoy this interview with alonzo bowden hey everyone thanks for coming out to the big ama tent here at americade yeah we're having some fun here this is my first year here Man, this is this is something else. But hey, let's get to who I am. Hey, everyone. My name is Liza, and this is the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast. Do you guys know what a podcast is? No. I think you're here for this guy right here, right? Yeah, exactly. He, he's got more fans than I do. Hey, um, I wanted to say big thanks to my guest, Alonzo Bowden. Hello. Hey. How are you? You're here in real life. This yeah. is great. Just uh, think of a podcast as a portable radio show you can listen to anytime. Yeah. That's, that's all it is. So, yeah, you're you just got to tune into the right station and you're good. Yeah. So, um, wow, what a great week. I've been here since Monday. When did you get in here? I got in Wednesday. There's been everything there's been rain, there's been sun. You're new at this. <laughs> I am. I am. Everybody at Americade knows it always rains at americade no matter what the weather may have been right before right after it always rains at americade and it doesn't mess around when it rains this was light this year oh this, right there's been years where you come here it's like 50 degrees and pouring rain and you're like oh yeah we're gonna have a motorcycle rally now so yeah 
Yet they were still it's, going out on rides. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, you know, there's BMW people here. <laughs> you can't stop BMW people. Harley riders, they ain't going out in the rain. They got to they clean so much chrome that they actually bring their bikes into their room when it rains. But uh, BMW riders, they, the rain is just a challenge. It's not even really a challenge, it, you know. <laughs> Well, Alonzo, I know that you're a fixture here. You've performed here many times. In fact. I've been coming to Americade for 63 years. <laughs> um, yeah, I started coming here in the late 50s, and then after 25 years, all the rest of them started showing up. <laughs> no, I, I don't know how long I've been doing this, um, like nine or ten years, something like that. I love it. Absolutely love it. Well, it's a perfect fit comedy motorcyclist and that's the thing you're a real motorcyclist i mean this is in your blood just like all of us here but you don't really talk about yourself as much when you're on stage you tend to talk about a lot of the people in the audience or topics stuff like that so i wanted to take this opportunity for everyone to get to know you the writer cool so i'm just curious i comedian writer these are two things which one sits above the other which one neither one Neither one. They are, uh, those are my two passions. They're equal. Um, one funds the other, which is, which is nice. Yeah, when I did Last Comic Standing, that's when I moved from Japanese to Italian motorcycles. That's what TV did. TV was like, oh, I can ride the European stuff now. But um, they're, they're equal passions, and now they've been, I've added a third, which is my dog. So my life is between those three. Nice. Well, let's go back to the beginning and let's find out about little Alonzo Mm -hmm. and how you first came into writing. So my grandmother um, had a farm in South Carolina and she rented land to a family and their son had a bike. And looking back, I know it was British. I don't know if it was a Triumph or a BSA. This would be in the late 60s. So it could have been either one. And there's a dirt road about two miles from the house to the main road where you get the mail. And he would take us for rides on the back of his bike back and forth on that dirt road. It still feels like that. I fell in love with it the first time I did it. I've never not loved it that much. So that, yeah, I've been hooked all my life. I can relate. I had a similar thing. Neighbor kid with a dirt bike. I remember being about five years old and he let me ride it. It wasn't on. He let me ride down as a very small incline, put my feet up, and I just coasted. And that was the world to me. That was it. Mm-hmm. I can't even say there was wind in my hair. It was like going really slow. He's running alongside me. But that was it. I was locked in. I love those. I think a lot of people have that origin story. Someone in their life that introduced them, and it locks in. Yeah, I actually have a friend, and uh, she lives in Tulsa. I live in L.A., and her son was seven years old, and I said, time for his first ride and I rode there to take him for a ride and she said he didn't take off his helmet for a week <laughs> she, he just kept it so I think we got another one coming nice so you eventually get a first bike and I'm curious what your first bike is it could be just about anything for a lot of people it's usually a Honda how many people here at first bike was a Honda yeah yeah that's, it's, that's the gateway right there yeah yeah, mine was CB400F, mm-hmm. the, uh, the old 404 cafe bike with the beautiful four-in-one pipes. Red or we, blue? Yeah. Uh, yellow. I had oh, the yellow, the yellow one. Mine was a 77. 
76, 75, 76 were red and blue. I got yellow. Not that I obsess on them, but I actually, it's one of those things you always think about buying your first bike again. And then I saw how small it is. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, no. But it was phenomenal at the time. I was 18. I got my first bike before I got my first car. Nice. I, I got my first bike when I was 17, four days before my 18th birthday, and I crashed it on the freeway. There you go. Yeah, mine actually got crash shoes. Uh, I had someone turn into me, but it was my fault. I was passing on the right, and they turned into a driveway and clipped me. So that was my first, uh, that was the end of my first bike. So you then uh, went, well, actually, I guess this is before that, because you were 18. One, one thing I love is where you went to high school. Yeah, I went to aviation high school in New York, so I learned to be an airplane mechanic while I was in high school. And then when I graduated, I got hired by Lockheed and moved to Burbank, L.A. area, and been there ever since. Now, first of all, trade schools, I wish there were more. That's so great that you learn a trade in school. And has that made you, do you wrench on your motorcycles? Oh, no. No. <laughs> no, I mean, new bikes, you know, I say this with new bikes and new cars, the, the engine, it should just say none of your business. I mean, it's not like the old days where you can. Everything is electronically controlled now. You, you, most of us don't have the equipment to troubleshoot a modern bike. And a lot of people don't like that. But the flip side is they don't break, right? You know, you know when's the last time you had to do a tune-up or change spark plugs and stuff like that? Stuff, now your plugs last 100,000 miles. So I'm okay with technology removing me from the equation but less work being needed on the bike stuff like when i rode cross country i came here in 15 and people were like wow you did that by yourself i'm like i'm on a bmw i have a credit card <laughs> like you know what i mean it's not like the old days where oh i'm gonna break down in the middle of utah and i don't know what yeah. i'm gonna do like those those days are gone some people still ride those old classic bikes and do stuff like that I'm like, no, nah, man, modern technology, I'm okay with it. Do you, when you go do a, like a cross-country trip, do you take uh, cans of oil with you? No. <laughs> yeah, that, that sets Where did apart. they stop selling oil? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I don't, no. Yeah. I, honestly, that's what I did. I just rode, my thing was, I didn't have a set agenda. My only thing was to ride through a city. I never wanted to wake up and ride in a city. So I would ride past the biggest city, and get a hotel or something there. I don't camp out because I have a job. Um, yeah, I'm living in the woods. What the hell's wrong with you people? Um, I would stay in a hotel past the major city, so when I woke up, I didn't have to deal with their traffic. I could just ride. That was my only criteria. Well, and the other thing I find fascinating about your past is that airplanes got you to comedy. Yeah. Yeah, I was training new mechanics, and I had more fun making them laugh than teaching. So I decided I wanted to try comedy, and I took this comedy writing class because I didn't know how comics came up with material, and the graduation was doing a five-minute show, and I did that show, and I was like, I'm done. I'm never going to work on planes again, and I never looked back. Now, the thing was, I always had a sense of humor. I could always make people laugh, but I had never been in front of people. So when I started teaching, you know, public speaking is like the number one fear people have. But to me, I had zero fear. It was the most natural thing in the world. And this therapist told me, she said, one thing about comics, it's true of a lot of us, she said, you're more comfortable talking to a thousand people 
than one. So she said, like, when you go to a party, when you leave, you don't know anyone you didn't know before you got there unless you're on stage. And I was like, that's it exactly. Because I love people in groups. One-on-one, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at these people. Like, they're, they're good in this group, but any one of them, I don't like. Uh. <laughs> well, I like, too, you went from airplanes that got you into comedy, but then it came full circle on your USO tours, didn't it? Well, yeah, yeah. I, um, I've been entertaining the troops my entire career. So my, the first plane I worked on was the F-117 stealth fighter built by Lockheed. And it was absolutely, like, fully top secret when we were working on it, when we were building it. This was in the early 80s. So now in the 90s, I went to Kuwait to entertain the troops, and I went to the base that they were using them mm-hmm. in the first Kuwait war. So when we were talking, they were wondering how I knew so much about the plane. <laughs> now, by now, it had been declassified. It was no longer a secret. But I told them, yeah, I saw it before you did. And we, we laughed about that. So, <laughs> so they wouldn't let me, like, borrow one, though. <laughs> you know, I was like, hey, can I? And they were like, no. No, that must have been pretty cool. Well, I want to establish, I mean, again, you have this presence. You are a biker. Let's see what kind of biker you are. What's in your garage? Right now, I am predominantly BMW. I've got a BMW Grand America, a GS Adventure, and a Megamoto, which is a super bike that very few people know. It's a Motard bike that BMW made for a couple of years. And then I have a Triumph Rocket 3, and I just sold my Grom. I had my Grom for years. I, I want to see it. a picture of you on that. Yeah, I'll show it to you. I said, yeah, I love my Grom. Groms you are stupid fun. They just so, make you want to do dumb so, things. I'll tell you the story. And for those who don't know, the Grom is a little 125 that Honda made. It's about a three-quarter scale bike. It's not tiny, but it's small. And Honda, American Honda, has a huge facility in Torrance, California, and when they launched it, they did a thing called the Grand Prix. And they invited racers, uh, people like me. They call me uh, a friend of the brand, meaning that I'm in the business, but they invite me to stuff. They had journalists, and we all raced around their parking lot. They had a you know course marked out, and everybody who finished was like, I want one of these. I want. It, it was so much fun, this little 125. And Honda was like, yeah, we want to. We've sold all of them. There are none available. Like it, it was the biggest hit they had maybe ever when they released that bike. They had no idea it was going to be as popular as it was. And um, I found a kid in Arizona. He had to pay college tuition. I was like, that's your problem. Give me your bike. And, uh, <laughs> and I got my Grom. Uh, so you've been to Honda. I've been there. Did did they let you in the vault? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, let, let me tell you something. I get so spoiled, and I appreciate it. But like when they invite me places, and I get to do things, yeah, I get to see and play with toys that that I'm like, man, you guys have no idea. I don't belong here. But uh, no, it's fun. Yeah, I got to see all their classic. And as a matter of fact, the, a friend of mine who used to come here with the demo, he's cataloging all that stuff. Honda has this vault where they have prototypes, race bikes, their whole history. They don't even One of know. Everything. They don't know what's in there. Yeah. There's so much stuff. So he's actually going through and catalog. He had a bike of theirs for eight years that they didn't know he had. Because like, it was just, it was a, a prototype test bike and he rode it and then nobody checked on it. And he just, I don't, I don't think it was supposed to be ridden. He's like, they don't know. So, but then, you know, of course he gave it back, but yeah, that, that's cool. But there are other places like that 
hidden secrets. I'm, I'm, I'm digging my way. I'm trying to get access because, yeah, there was some pretty cool stuff in there. You know, you go in there and there's yeah, race bikes, everything, and I'm like, MB5. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. zero-mile MB5 yeah. moped I was just excited about. Really cool place, but I'm sure you get a lot of access to stuff. And you also, through motorcycling and comedy, you travel a lot to events like Americade where you're doing comedy. I saw your show the other night. I, I, didn't, know, I didn't know what to expect because you do very uh, topical comedy usually, but you just kind of riffed the entire show. Yeah, so this is the difference. So my, my regular, when I do stand-up, I do a lot of topical stuff. I hit on social issues, politics, news, stuff, because that stuff interests me. Uh, years ago in my comedy, I switched from, say, personal comedy to social commentary because I found that the world interested me more than my life, right? Even though there's a little bit of both. But when I come here... This is, these, first of all, this is my people. This is the cult. You know what I, I tell people? This is what I love about coming to a motorcycle event. I don't have to explain to you guys why I have five bikes. The only question you have is, why don't you have six? <laughs> you know? And, and that's the culture. So the fun is joking about all of us. We all love motorcycles. And, you know, you have your Harley people, BMW people, Goldwing people. Those are the main three groups. Then you have a, a few other you know riders you have the trike people trike people are they're their own group they take up more parking um and then you know so so when i come here i can do that and talk about all of that because everyone gets it Mm -hmm. and it's just fun to it's like, like for me this is like a week off you know from from the real world i haven't watched the news all week you know i'm just here it's just yeah yeah, I've done this before where I've been out on a ride. You go to a, a stop to get pie or something. It's a motorcycle stop. And I could go into a table and look at, kind of look at guys, and I just go, BMW, Harley, Kawasaki. And they go, how do you know? But- well, what, one thing you find here, though, there's a lot of multi-brand owners here. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people here have, they might come here on their touring bike, right, which might be a, a Goldwing, but at home they got a sports store or they got some kind of, dual purpose dirt bike or whatever or they or they you know bring their custom harley here but back home they got a you know ninja or what no we're too old ain't nobody here got a ninja uh but you know this in spirit (laughs) i i saw a ninja here oh no the sport bikes so the last three or four years on the weekends there have been a lot more sport bikes coming up a lot of of, uh, sport bike riders i think they're coming up from like new york and philly and they ride up here and they hang out for the week because they don't get enough tickets at home. Now, so. you know what I noticed? I don't know if, if you notice this. I've seen just a few sport bikes, and they were the ones that seemed to need to rev their engine and announce that they were coming. Uh, them and, and Harleys. The, the, the noise is part of the culture. Yeah. You know? and, and again, I, I mean, it's not my thing, but I laugh about it. It's cool. Like last night, we saw somebody do a burnout. And we were all like, are you out of your mind? Like, there's cops on every block. And we were fascinated he got away with it. We were like, how'd you get away with that? Why didn't, you know, but it, it, again, this, this is the thing about bikes, right? It's all, it's all bikes. It's all motorcycles. So just because I don't do it doesn't mean it's not cool. It's just not my thing. And I might laugh about it or make fun of it, but I'm okay with it being your thing. And besides, they can't hear me making fun of them. So I get away with it. You seem to walk the line very well. I was very impressed. 
of insulting while being charming. And it's amazing what you can get away with. You know why? Because people know I love it. Yeah. One thing about comics, when we make fun of stuff, and, and I've been doing this 29 years, right? And, you know, now comedy is a big thing in cancel culture. People are mad and people say this or that. The crowd can always sense where you're coming from. The crowd knows if it was actually mean or you're joking about it because you love it too. And, and this crowd knows I love all motorcycles. So when I joke about the Harley guys and how clean they keep their bikes and polishing or the Goldwing people who have 6,000 lights on their bike, you know, it, they get it because it's like, yeah, it's all fun. So there, there's nobody I actually dislike, and they, and they pick up on that. If you, if you actually dislike somebody, then it's not funny. I'm just curious. If there's anyone here, you could just just guess what kind of bike they ride by how they're, how they're looking. No, because, again, it's Americade, so everybody rides <laughs> everything. And yeah. you know what I like to do? I don't know if anyone else does this. I'll wear something. I don't wear the bike I'm riding. So, like, if I'm on my BMW... I'm wearing a shirt that says Triumph. Or mm -hmm. if I'm on my Triumph, I'm wearing something that says Ducati or whatever. Like it, I, that's just fun for me to not wear the proper thing. Except Harley people. They're not allowed to do that. They will. They, 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 no, I'm kidding about that. But even, like, even that within the Harley culture, the T-shirt thing of having T-shirts from dealerships all over the place. I have friends who are like, yeah, when you go somewhere, bring me a T-shirt. Like if I go somewhere unusual you know, Guam or, or Tokyo or something, they want a Harley shirt from that dealer. Because in their world, that's cool to have it from different places. I'll tell you the writer that I have the most respect for. The one that says, I got a Harley, a dirt bike, and a scooter. To me, that's somebody who, like, their writing is a purpose, it's a passion. It's not about style. It's not about image. It is about this is who I am, I'm a writer, and I'm going to get the right tool for writing, and they love what they ride because of you know, what it does. That's my, the most respect I have. The most respect I have is for Jay Leno, because he has everything. <laughs> Jay has all the bikes, so I really respect that, and I hope to one day be that. So I said, you're pretty fearless up here when you're uh, talking. I'm curious, though, what you are afraid of. Specifically, is there a bike that has ever scared you? No, but there are bikes I respect. Yeah. Um, I've had two Hayabusas. I don't know if anyone here has ridden a Hayabusa. I tell people, it doesn't accelerate. It sucks the world in toward you. It, it is incredible how powerful that is. A couple of years ago, for one summer, I bought a Kawasaki. They have this supercharged bike. called they, The original one was the H2, and then they had the SX. So I bought the SX, and I told my friend, I said, I want to ride this for one summer because it has a supercharger and a great whistle, and then I'm going to sell it to a kid who belongs on it. Yeah. Like, I got no reason to be riding this bike. It's like a 10-second drag bike. So, but, but, you know, I mean, I respect my ability, right? I'm not, you know, I know how good I am, so, so I'm not going to kill myself. Like, the older you get, the longer it takes to heal, right? So, so when I see... 22-year-olds doing a wheelie on the freeway, I'm like, you're supposed to be doing that. I can't. And, and I'll tell you a story about that. I know you want to ask about my uh, track can, crash yeah, on my Ducati. Yeah, this so, is a big deal. It wasn't. It wasn't. But I'll, I'll tell the story because it's a funny part of it about healing. So I had a Ducati 1098, right? 
and I was on the racetrack, and I high-sided. And what that means, for those who don't know, I came out of a corner, I gave it too much gas, right? It starts sliding, then you get off the gas, it gets traction, and it launches you in the air. So that's called a high-side. So as I'm in the air, time slows down, and all I'm thinking is, man, this is going to hurt. And I came down, I landed on my arm, and I broke the scaphoid bone, which is a small bone in your wrist. Um, Anyway, so this is what, so I don't know, somebody on Wikipedia writes up this whole thing about me being a Ducati racer, and it was the most flattering thing in the world. They were like, you're going to change? I'm like, hell no, I'm not going to change it. Look at that. Sounds like, like, if you've ever met an actual motorcycle racer, they're literally half my size. They're, you know, they're little jockeys. I'm like, I wasn't racing. But anyway, two, three years later, I'm at a MotoGP race, and Nikki Hayden, who <laughs> unfortunately died far too young, Nikki Hayden was mm-hmm. the last American world champion in MotoGP racing. He's a friend of a friend of mine. And he comes up to me, and, he's, and I've met him a few times, and he said, hey, man, I heard you broke your scaphoid bone. How long does it take to heal? I broke mine. I said, well, Nikki, I'm human. <laughs> so it took six months for me and three surgeries. You, six weeks. And sure enough, he was back on it. He just laughed, and he was back on the bike. But that was very cool. And also, John Hopkins, another racer, mm-hmm. he had a cast on the same time as me. We were at a World Superbike race. So I got a great picture of both of us holding up our casts. So when I break my wrist, I do it with the best in the world. You understand? I don't break my wrist with average people. So I take pride in that. Were you at Laguna Seca when Nikki won? Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Right on. That yeah, was awesome. I, I, was at, I go to MotoGP races yeah. a lot. And that's something. It's, it's, I've tried to get some of my MotoGP friends to come here. And I would encourage you to go there and see what the other culture is like because it's very cool that that one is obviously speed based a lot more sport bikes um a bit more international yeah uh but but it's they're both cool they're both i have fun at both races at both sides well i want to ask you um, for a lot of people when you crash it, it can get into your head it can slow you down it's hard to kind of get over that and back in did you have any trouble with that? Not really. Um, I've never been good at right turns. I've read that, that most of us are better turning one way or the other. And for some reason, I've always yeah. been better at turning left. But it didn't, stay, it didn't stay in my head because if you do track days, you crash. It's, it's part of it. It's not, you're not trying to, mm-hmm. but you're pushing your limits and, and different things happen. And you lose traction and the bike slides out. Here's another example of technology. The crash I had wouldn't happen today because today the bikes have um, traction traction control control and the the fact that my two front and rear tire were turning at different speeds, the computer would pick up on that and slow down the rear tire, right? It would electronically do it. So technology has improved it. And also we have airbag suits now and stuff like that. The the protection's better. But no, I I wasn't particularly scared. I haven't done track stuff since because I haven't had a bike. I haven't had a sport bike since. And um, this, actually, Americade has gotten me more into the touring Mm -hmm. and long-distance riding side, which is very meditative for me. So I kind of spend more time and money doing this than um, track-oriented stuff. Well, here's a question for you. Because being here at Americade, I've seen 
more of something than I've ever seen before. And I've heard it said... Walkers? That real bikers ride trikes. Any chance you ever get on a trike? Oh, yeah. I've ridden trikes. So, so the yeah. real bikers ride trikes came. <laughs> the last Americade, the smaller one we had last September, at when the pandemic finally allowed it, there was a guy on a trike, and that's what he said, real bikers ride trikes. And then it came out that his wife allowed him to say that. And we were like, that's not the toughest real biker thing. We've done. But it was a lot of fun. No, I have ridden trikes um, here when they had the demos. Yeah. And I've ridden Can-Ams. And that's a funny thing because you have, even within that, you have two cultures. Should the two wheels be in the back or should the two wheels be in the front? And they'll argue about that. You know? What do you so. think? Uh, they say it's more stable with the two wheels in the front, but more they Can Am sells more to car people, and the trike mm. builders sell more to motorcycle people. I don't I, know. I think for me, I, if I'm going to do three wheels, I think a Can Am in the front. Uh, yeah, yeah it's so. definitely it's definitely more stable, right? Or, but, it, but if you're used to riding, you know, a Goldwing or a Harley or something like that, BMW, a big motorcycle then it's going to feel more normal to you to get on that motorcycle with two wheels in the back. There's always the compromise, the Yamaha Niken. Yeah, yeah. That which have, have you tried that? Yamaha sold seven of those, <laughs> I think. So I think you can still find one. No, I, I was supposed to get to ride one, but I didn't. My friend had one as a magazine test bike. They say it works, and it works great. I haven't uh, ridden one. I'll admit, I tried it. Um, out at Laguna Seca, they were doing them. And I'm not going to say I'm a convert, but I'm going to say I thought to myself, I could own one of these. Yeah, it the, instilled confidence in me that you'll never lose a front end. That's what it's for. And it made me want to, like, I want to push this. Right. So the people here who don't know, the Yamaha Nikon was basically, it's based on a sport naked bike, but they put two wheels in the front. And it really was just an engineering exercise. And it's just what it, you said. Two that sets it, of forks. It, it's, it sticks better in the corners, but people were like, yeah, but is it worth it? And, and it hasn't caught on. Well, what, I'll tell you what's caught on more are the scooters, the Piaggio scooter mm -hmm. with the two wheels in the front. People like that one. That seems to sell. I so. predict that those Nikens are going to have a real popularity down the road, a lot like the, um, what's the, like Valkyries. You know, Valkyries have had like, a lot of people love them now. They weren't as popular. Honda, when they came out. okay, and, and I love Honda, and I love the people at Honda. They missed on the Valkyrie. I've had a couple of Valkyries. I love them, but the thing everyone loved about the Valkyrie was this giant Goldwing engine, right? Just chromed, this big radiator in front of you, and it had a presence when it rolled up, and there was nothing like it. Yeah. You know? And then when they went to the new Goldwing with the side, because I talked to him about this. I was explaining to him what they did wrong to the Valkyrie, right? So when they went to the side radiators and the, the plastic shrouding, it's like, no, no, the Valkyrie was about the engine. It was a giant engine with a motorcycle built around it. Yeah. And that's what people wanted. And the reason it's more popular now, because you can't find them, right? They were 20 years ago. So mm -hmm. more and more you can't find them. But, oh, what a bike. That was... And then I went to the Rocket 3 because that was the only bike that out-Valkyried the Valkyrie. <laughs> that was even bigger. For those who don't know, that's Triumph's big cruiser. And they went from a 2.3-liter engine to a 2.5 because the 2.3 wasn't big enough. So I have one of those, and it's fun because my engine is bigger than most small cars. 
So you like kind of the the weird monstrosity big bikes, but can it go too far like no. the Boss Hoss? I, I want to ride a Boss Hoss. They haven't let me ride one <laughs> there yet. There were some here would, last night. Yeah, they're always here. They're, yeah. I, I would yeah. ride. I would try one of those. But I've always liked the Power Cruiser. And as a matter of fact, the way I got into it was back, and this was back when my sport bike days in the 90s, my Honda dealer got a Valkyrie, and he said to me, he said, you got to ride this thing, right? And I'm a kid, and I'm like, man, who's going to ride it? And I took that thing. I came back laughing, saying, oh, I'm going to own one of these. I don't. And then I had a car. I had a Honda Civic, and I called him. I said, do you take cars for bikes? He's like, we take anything for bikes. And I traded in my car and got the Valkyrie, and that's when I got my first one. But, yeah, I've, I've always loved the Valk. Well, now let's take it to the opposite end of the spectrum. What do you think of Zeros and the electric bikes? I test rode the Zeros here, and I rode one when they first came out. Mm -hmm. They have so improved. It feels like a motorcycle now. They're great. (laughs) Uh, When they first came out, I don't know how many people have ridden electric or driven electric cars, but the throttle felt more like an on-off switch, right? Because electric motors are instant torque. But now it feels like a motorcycle in the sense that your throttle gives you more control like what we're used to on a motorcycle accelerating and the the regenerative part of the motor when you slow down you don't have to use the brakes it's really fun yeah Mm -hmm. so i'm I'm a i'm a big fan of zeros they're cool i mean i'm not going to get one it's not my thing but i get it but it's definitely i think initially they felt like an electric scooter almost like a toy you know especially if you're used to motorcycles but now they feel more like a bike and rideable and yeah i'm you know Great. I mean, it's yeah, they're great. Good for good for them, and good for the people riding them. And they said that there's been a line to ride them every day. So I'm not the only person who thinks that. Because if you're putting gas in a, in a big bike every day, suddenly you know gas is what eighteen, nineteen dollars a gallon, and you know twenty three bucks a gallon in California, and suddenly <laughs> electric don't look bad. You plug it in at your neighbor's house, use their power, because they ain't gonna notice one cord in their you know garden. And you ride your electric bike for free. Oh, it, it's a, it is a fun ride. I, I'm glad to see them here with all the mix of bikes. Uh, though I have to say, I keep heading over to KTM. Yeah, KTM is very unique. The, the, they're fast. They're kind of rough-edged. Like, they're fast V-twins. They're not as polished as Ducati. And they're very much the on- and off-road thing, so... Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a cool brand. Have you had one yet? No, no. I almost got a Super Duke, which was their oh, yeah. naked big hooligan bike, but I didn't. But not for any dislike or anything, just, you know. I've I had a Super it. Duke. It was the one bike that I had a healthy respect for. Mm-hmm. But, oh, man, that is fun. So what do you think your next bike will be? What do you... BMW uh, <laughs> R1250RT. We've oh, already, yeah. I was here testing them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the switch from the GS to the RT. I've been thinking about it. So now, having ridden everything they have over there, that's going to be my next one. So is this a fair statement? BMW finally did a cruiser right. No, the RT isn't a cruiser. The RT is a touring bike. It's oh. their... Well, but do you, you saw the cruisers that they have the, out here now? Okay, so the R18. See, yeah, now you're going to get me in trouble with BMW. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This, this is, I heard this statement, and it's true. So Harley has come out with the Pan American, right? That's what it's called? Yes. Their, their adventure bike. Harley built a better BMW than BMW built Harley. Okay. In other words, 
The Pan American's a much better adventure bike than the R18 as a cruiser. The problem with the R18 as a cruiser is the two big cylinders mm. are right where you want your feet to be. Yes. As a cruiser, you want to put your feet forward, and because of these giant cylinders, you can't. Now, I think it looks great, but it doesn't work great. And I want to thank you for losing any BMW friendship or endorsement <laughs> I have had a chance at in saying that. But, yeah, it, it's a, it's a great-looking bike, but it, it's uh, – I think they missed. Well, it's better than the R1100C. Yeah, that one was weird. Yeah. That one was weird. But uh, – you know, it, it's cool as a cruiser, it's definitely if you want something different. And it took a while, but my friend has a BMW dealership, I know a guy, and he said they're starting to sell, they're starting to catch on. So there'll be a market for them. But, but again, it, it's, it's far from BMW's core market, and it isn't a bike that's going to, like, I don't think anyone's cross-shopping Harleys and BMWs or Indians and BMWs, you know, V-twin cruisers. Well, and, and I wanted to uh, double back for a second and talk about stereotypes. There are a lot of stereotypes. Why are you going to talk to a black guy about stereotypes? <laughs> what do you mean? Where are you, where are you going? There, there are a lot of stereotypes in the motorcycle community, and one of them is that many doctors refer to us as donor cycles, which that's kind of, kind of insulting. But Well, here's the thing. People, it, people who don't ride motorcycles don't get it. Right. It's that simple. If you don't ride a motorcycle, they're dangerous and you're crazy. And, I, they, and you're, you're never going to tell them otherwise. That's what they believe. So they believe that a sport bike's a donor cycle and this and that. And you, it's not. It's annoying. Like whenever whenever you tell someone you ride a motorcycle, first thing I want to tell you is a story about someone who got killed on a motorcycle. They can't wait to tell you that. And then I tell them a story about someone who got killed in a car. I do. I just tell them right away, yeah, I know a guy who died in a car. It's like, shut up and get away from me. You don't get it. Yeah. And anyone who gets it, it's like jazz. If I got to explain, you don't get it. If I have to explain it, you will never understand. So anyone talks about donor cycles or crotch rockets or rice rockets or whatever, I just dismiss them. I have no time. To, I'm not trying to convert you. Well, and I have a lot of respect for you because you ride a motorcycle and you have donated an organ and you didn't have to crash to do it. Yeah, that, that's a whole different thing. We talked about that here, but yeah. my brother needed a kidney and I donated a kidney to him. And that, yeah, that has nothing to do with motorcycles. I, he owed me money and I was like, you ain't, <laughs> you ain't gonna die owing me money. You get this kidney, get your ass back to work. So you're on the road a lot. Yeah. Tra a lot of traveling. Too much. Too much. Um, I'm wondering, you know, what really what riding means to you? Because I would think with somebody who just, you're always out on the road, you're just never home. When you come home and you get on your bike, what is that for you? It's an escape. And motor I've always said motorcycles are my escape vehicles. I love being alone in my helmet. That that's my favorite thing when I'm riding. And then also living in L.A. Dealing with traffic, people are like, man, what's it like living in L.A., riding in L.A.? It's like playing a giant game of Frogger. Mm -hmm. If you remember Frogger, the video game, choop, choop, you jump inside. That's what riding in L.A. is like. But I love it. I love riding in L.A. You know, I wish there wasn't traffic, but it's certainly an easier way to get around than being in a car. But, yeah, my motorcycles are my escape vehicles. I love them. And I love the whole process, too. That's why I'm always buying and selling bikes, because I actually like doing that. I like looking around, seeing what's new, riding something different, and all of that. Well, maybe you need to uh, get to Jay Leno's level so you can keep the bikes Yeah, I have not, to sell. This is the difference. They loan them to me. They give them to Jay. 
that that is the difference. But no, I love talking to people to find out what writing really means to them. Uh, do you know Long Haul Paul? He's over at the Yamaha tent. Okay, no, I don't know him, but and he right he has MS, mm-hmm. and he's riding a million miles for MS, raising money, and he says when he's riding, he's right. Everything works right. When he's off the bike, he's, he's aware he starts to have a little like memory problems, stuff like that. He gets on the bike, and he's right. And it's so cool to he- you know, hear from people like, when you ride, does it reset you, like all the well, stress from the road? It's, it's cleared my head. I've come up with jokes and routines on a bike because my head is clear, and things just pop into my head that are funny. Sometimes I'll pull over and write them down. Other times I forget them, and I'm like, boy, that would have been funny if I had written it down. But I'm just into the ride. But th- I would say that's the only place where it, um, where it comes into play like that. It clears my head. I w- I'll tell you a story about a guy who was escaping on motorcycles, Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. So Michael got into riding, and he got into riding sport bikes. And, to the, and, you know, being Michael Jordan, he rented a racetrack and had a racer teach him to ride better. And, but he said what he loved was he would be riding around Chicago, and people didn't know who he was. And then the story got out, and now you see this really tall guy on really expensive bike, and suddenly his anonymity was gone. They were like, oh, there's Michael, you know, because you're 6'7", you can't hide too much when you're on an MV Agusta. But, but everybody, I, everybody who rides, you like that, because when you're, you know, when you're in your helmet, like, like celebrities in L.A., you bump into them at places like the Rock Store and other bike hangouts. And they'll all tell you, yeah, when you're riding, nobody knows who you are, so they don't have to deal with all of the paparazzi and the stuff that goes with it and then when they get to a place where there's a bunch of people riding motorcycles you're there as a guy who rides motorcycles you're not there as a you know actor or comic or whatever and you know as Californians and we got some more Californians here one of the things I love uh, is we get to lane split and when you get people who aren't used to it and lane split and they think it's just the scariest thing in the world well, if you don't do it, you don't realize how much space there is between cars. You have to do it a lot. I mean, you think we do it? Go to Europe. Yeah. In Europe, they do it between opposing traffic, which is, it, you know, and we're like, man, that's crazy. But they do it all the time. They came up doing it, so it's very normal. I have to remember when I ride in other states that it's not legal. <laughs> yeah. Except in New York City where you could do whatever the hell you want, which is kind of fun. You know, New York City... It, it, the sport bike culture in New York City, I admire them. They, they're hilarious with what they do, but that's part of being New York. They're bold, and they take crazy chances, and it's all part of their riding. Also, another thing about it is, and everyone here knows what I'm talking about. When people ask me about motorcycles, I tell them, you got to live through your 20s, right? Because in your 20s, you're an idiot, you know, and you take ridiculous chances and this and that. But if you live through that, then you're, then you're good. Then you're good. Yeah. Well, it's one of the things I don't understand why we don't have it. Hey, Rob, put that on your list, please. Lane splitting everywhere, please. Thank you. AMA. You're working on it, right? They filter. They're allowing filtering yeah. in Arizona now and in other places. And here's the other thing about lane splitting. If it's stop and go traffic and you're lane splitting, the cops can't catch you. <laughs> they can only wave. <laughs> Not that I encourage riding illegally in any way. So, uh... Let's talk about some controversy. You like talking about controver- controversial topics. Your podcast, you talk about controversy, right? Yeah. You want to give it a big plug right now? Uh, it's called Who's Paying Attention. And it, 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 it's, so the way it started was 
the media, the news, used to be the fourth estate, right? And it used to be independent, and they would go after whoever screwed up. It didn't matter political affiliation or gender or any. It was like if you were an idiot, the news went after you, and it was the news. And then we lost that over the years, and it's become a business and this and that. So the, so the idea of who's paying attention is who's paying attention to the truth. And it's been left to us comics, you know, and as my friend and brilliant comic Lewis Black said, we don't want the job, but no one else is going to do it. So if there's one thing comics will do is we make fun of stupid people no matter which side they're on. Now, it may seem more one side or the other, but that's just because there might be more comical characters on one side or the other, right? Like right now, people like everybody's making fun of right-wing people. It's like, oh, were you around when we had Bill Clinton? You know, because he was comedy gold, you know? <laughs> and so we, it, it is what it is. But, the, but that's what the podcast is. That was the initial, um, I guess, inspiration or idea behind it. And like I said, I like making fun of topical things in the news. And comedians, we were the first truth-tellers and we're the last ones. That's why I have tattoos of the jester, because the jester was the only guy who could make fun of the king, but if it wasn't funny, they chop off his head. So I'm like, that's the way it should be. Like, we're allowed to to do it, but you also have to remember to make it funny. Well, let's talk about something controversial right now. I haven't heard any people talking about it, but have you been following Isle of Man? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Last count was five deaths, I believe. Unfortunately, people die at Isle of Man. This has been going on since they've been having the race, and there's always been the talk of, should we keep doing it? They do it. it it's what they do. Road racing, I haven't been to Isle of Man. I, I'm going to make it one day. It's on my bucket list to see the race. It is incredible, and it is very dangerous. And the, the racers choose to accept that danger. I mean, they don't go there thinking, oh, I'm going to die. Like, you can't have that thought in your head, but it, it could happen. But, you know, when, when we ride, every day we get on our bike, we could die on our bike, right? But you don't get on your bike thinking that. I mean, you, you know, you may wear the gear, right? You, you wear your, your helmet or whatever other gear thinking about it. But, no, I don't think you, can, I don't think you should stop Isle of Man for that reason. Uh, but that's just my opinion. I, I mean... I can't think of any other sport that has that many deaths. This is almost like, to me, like the gladiators. People are coming to see the people fight the well, lions. Recently, this year, uh, a guy died in MotoGP, in Moto2. Uh, Simicelli, one of the great MotoGP yeah. racers, was killed on the track. They don't stop yeah. the racing. The racers actually race that weekend, which is amazing. And they say, and the Formula One... Sadly, it's happened now. They've, inc- they've improved the safety equipment so much that it's not as likely to happen. But it can still happen. But, but these racers, if you want to say they're gladiators, they are, but they're not stupid. They're not going out there just, I'm taking a chance, I'm, trying to, I'm cheating death. Yeah. No, they're, they're the best in the world at what they do. And that is un- unfortunately a risk that's involved in it. But... but let them do it and let them decide what the risks they want to take, what they don't. Like there, there was the movie Rush, I think it was called, about um, Nicky Lauda, the, the F1 mm-hmm. movie, yeah. when Nicky Lauda said he lost a championship. He said, I'm not racing in this rain. This, this track is too dangerous. It's too wet. 
and he ended up losing the chip. But that was his choice. That's not a choice for someone else to make for them. And I have to admit, when I saw the news, the latest death, it was a father and son. The son is like 21 years old yeah. on a sidecar, and they died. And kind of my instant reaction was, that's a noble way to go as a rider. I mean, it, it's I tragic, know. but it's also like they did... They went to. They, you they you did died they, doing, they died doing what love. they love to do. And I, I don't think the rider died. I think it was the passenger. No. I think it was, which they call the monkey, the passenger they on both the sidecar. Oh, did was they both the die? Most recent one. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know a guy who um, he's a moto journalist now. He's been a racer, and he said when he was in in high school, he was the monkey for his dad racing sidecars. Right now, I'm sure his dad didn't want him to die nobly. Right. But the other side of it is, how cool is that to be a high school kid on your dad's sidecar racing? Like, his backstory, with all due respect to people in this room, is cooler than any of ours, right? That, that is an amazing thing, you think, as a high school kid, to be on your dad's sidecar on a racetrack. So, so who who's should take that away from them? The, let, I mean, it, again... Yeah. Racing isn't risk is inherent in racing. People die in horse races. When a jockey falls off a horse, like you're watching, we don't realize how big, powerful, and fast those horses are. And jockeys have fallen off horses and broken their neck and died. And it's it's tragic, but it happens. And I guess you could say football players die just takes a lot longer. Yeah, and not as long as we think. Unfortunately, a lot of football players die in their forties. Because their internal organs take a beating. I I happen to know more, you know, I've read about this and had some experience with it, knowing people who've done it. So, uh, again, Isle of Man and road racing, it's their choice. It's how they choose to race, what they choose to do. I remember um, there used to be MotoGP at Indy, Indianapolis. They didn't like the track, by the way. The racers didn't like the track because it wasn't used much, so it was very slippery. But they took them to the Indy Mile, to the dirt track race, where you slide these bikes through turns with no brakes. And a lot of the MotoGP racers were watching them like, holy shit, that's crazy. And it's like, you race a 200-mile-an-hour road racing bike, but to them the idea of sliding a dirt bike, a big dirt bike through a turn with no brakes was crazy. So everybody has their own, you know, their own idea, their own definition. They're, They're the distance riders. Right, who ride from, you know, like Alaska. We were done the other day. Some guy rode from Alaska to Florida in 80-something hours, just going nonstop, right? Is, is he crazy? Could he fall asleep and crash and die? Yeah, he could. But in his world, that's the challenge. So do what you want to do. Yeah. I got to be funny in front of these people. Look at these people. These, <laughs> are, these are not happy people. Look at these faces. And yet I have to somehow make them laugh. I'm at a terrible risk. Well, let's, uh, let's keep the controversy going along. What do you think about the industry and what's happening, especially with the IMS shows being canceled? Uh, the IMS shows weren't great, yeah. to be honest. It was like a bunch of dealers got together and showed you the new bikes. They needed some flash. They needed some life to them, at least. I know that's how the one was in L.A. It was in Long Beach. So, you know, you, you got to do something to draw people. And, and times change uh, Interests change, bikes change, you know, um, women in motorcycling is a huge growth area now. Mm-hmm. They, they need to appeal more to that. A lot of young people love these little bikes. Little bikes are, are a big thing now, and they have to acknowledge it. I have a friend who's, you know, his whole thing was talking to the motorcycle industry. He was like, hey, you know, forget about the baby boomers. They're, they're, 
They bought their bikes. You got to figure out how to get Gen Z on motorcycles because we love motorcycles. So we're an easy sell, you know, and it's like you got to figure out how to get the next generation. And to do that, you have to make it, no joke, more exciting than their phone. Yeah, and it's, it's great being at an event like this at AmeriCade. We've got vendors, we've got seminars, we've got everything going on. But you know what I've been really enjoying the most? Something that I don't the comedy really... shows. I know, they're brilliant. <laughs> they're, they are the most fantastic. I've been enjoying the people. Yeah, I, listen, I, I uh, was in this uh, documentary about motorcycling. I said, when Honda said you meet the nicest people, that was like the most brilliant marketing campaign ever. You know what I mean? And it changed motorcycling. And that's who's here. The, the, the Americade group is the middle-of-the-road, nice, fun, happy, you know, this is the only motorcycle rally that ends at 10 o'clock at night. You know what I mean? There ain't, ain't going to be a bar. Can you imagine a bar fight at Americade? First of all, it would be the slowest fight you ever saw. Right? No, we are, we are having fun, and we, we you know... I've never heard of any trouble here. It's just, yeah, these are super nice people riding bikes and enjoying them. Try and get dinner at 9.30. You can. You just don't know where. <laughs> no. See, we know. We know. Who's, I know places that are open. I ain't telling you <laughs> why I want to wait in line behind you. Even McDonald's was closed. I'm like, like I what? said, I ain't telling you. There's places. <laughs> yeah, no, this has been a lot of fun. Um, are you going to any other rallies or events this year? No, no. Um, BMW wanted me to come to one, but I was already booked up. Like my, my, I get booked way in advance, so I'm too busy to make any. Um, I didn't even make MotoGP. This is the first year, and I don't know how long I didn't make the American round of MotoGP. But that's just work conflicts. I do want to one day make the BMW National Rally. That looks like it would be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And I've been to Sturgis. And to anyone who hasn't been to Sturgis, I was told, once in your life, you have to see Sturgis. And I would say that's accurate. You, you cannot comprehend how big it is, how many bikes there are. Like, it, it's beyond anything you could imagine. So if you haven't been to Sturgis, I would, I would say go once, at least once, just to see it and experience it. I'm going to go ahead and um, confess something here. Coming to AmeriCade for the first time, a lot of big American bikes, a lot of people wearing vests, patches, and I kind of was like, uh-oh, like, is this, you know, like, have what, you, what, am, what am I into, Have right? you read the patches? <laughs> have you read the patches at AmeriCade? You're safe. But here's how I know what a difference is, and here's how I, I found these are the real riders, not... LARPers that I refer to, live action role play. These are real riders. I haven't seen a single woman in a bikini on a Harley here. Uh, let me think. <laughs> yeah. No, but at Sturgis, Daytona, you're going to see that, right? Yeah, but they're not in a cold rain, <laughs> which is also part of AmeriCade. I, I generally don't see women wear bikinis in a 50 degree rainstorm. <laughs> so there's that. No, it, it, this, isn't, um, this isn't that necessarily. It's not. It's not. That's not a big sell part of this, but, no, that's but there's I'm... nothing. You know something? There's nothing wrong with it there, right? Because it's part of that culture and that event. But even if you go there, if you go to Daytona, yeah, there's the, the women in bikinis. You go to Bike Week in Myrtle Beach, it, the women. And, but that's part of it, but it, that's not all of it. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Again, I've, I've been to all of these things, and I've seen them, and it's like, 
that's fun and that works for you. You know, if, if you're a 20-something hot woman and you want to show off in a bikini, yeah, go ahead. That's your fun. That's you said it. you've been a sturgis? And you get free stuff, which is nice. I've I seen so. like 58 in a bikini. Didn't didn't belong there. I've seen yeah. I've seen fifty eight in a bikini that will smoke twenty five <laughs> in a bikini. Uh, you you better watch out for these grown ass women out here looking hot. Better slow down. No, so I've really been enjoying this here this week here in America. And again, these are real riders. This is my people. This is, doesn't matter what you're riding. Don't don't do that. They're all real riders. Listen, they're all if real you, riders. But if you got if you got a ton of money. And you got a, a you know fifty thousand dollar custom Harley, chromed out this and that, and you only ride it on Sunday to the place where you meet your friends and you talk to them. Well, for you, that's enough. That's a real rider. Because I, I joke about the people who trailer their bikes mm-hmm. here. Are they not real riders? Because some people ride and other people. I joke about it because we laugh about it here. Because yeah, there's both. They're, they're both real riders. You have different experience. So I I don't like. This is something I deal with, yep, right? Yep. People ask me, they say, man, how come you don't do a TV show on motorcycles? How come there's not more shows on motorcycles? Well, one of the things is that people riding motorcycles don't realize is how small we are in the, in the grand scheme of things. We're a very small audience. Mm-hmm. And amongst us, we divide, oh, you ride sport bikes, you ride a cruiser, you ride a touring bike, you ride a trike, this and that. Now you're taking 1% of the viewing audience and dividing that up you know tv's about money and revenues they want to sell commercials so they they're we we are our own worst enemy when we say that when we divide amongst ourselves and define what a real rider is we become our own worst enemy yeah thank you for calling me on it because i know that even if somebody rides once a month to go out to the you know their meet it's how it makes them feel yeah it's it's their thing that's what we all get on a bike, and it makes us feel Let me great. tell you something. The, the Grom culture is badass. I know people have these little Groms that spend $10,000 building them, and you can't tell them that they're any different than somebody who has an $80,000 chopper, right? So, so let's, just, let's just ride. Give it a rest. But I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to keep yeah. going about no, this, good. but I have a lot of experience with it. So in L.A., there's a place called The Rock Store. And mm-hmm. if you're ever in Southern California, go to The Rock Store on a Sunday. It's in Malibu Canyon off Mulholland Highway. And in, back in the day, in the 80s and even in the 90s, there would be one side all Harleys and cruisers yeah. parked and the other side all sport bikes. Well, I rode both. I had my Valkyrie cruiser and I had whatever sport bike at the time. Early in the morning, I'd be on a sport bike racing through the canyons while they're empty. And I'd park there. And they would only wave at you if you were on a sport bike. And then in the afternoon, I'd go back with a cruiser and just chill out. And it was always like, you know I'm the same guy. Like, I'm the guy this morning, you didn't wave at me. And this afternoon, you know what I mean? And it was always funny. Now, we're kind of parked on both sides, which is, which is better to me. Yeah. Then the scooter guys come up, and we laugh at them, you know. So. Well, I'll say the one thing I found in common with everyone here regardless of what they're riding, what they're wearing, is they all have the same passion as I do for motorcycles, as I believe you do. That's something that's been really special for me here at AmeriCade, is that passion for two or three wheels. That's right. Exactly. So I wanted to thank you for joining me here. 
and and getting to know a little bit more about you, the biker. Yeah, this this is very cool. Like I say, this is a week off from me, from my you know real life. This this is just fun and motorcycles, and I get to ride demo bikes and and hang out and talk to people and laugh and and do whatever else. So I I love it. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, we we all ride. That's the thing about Americade. Every everybody here rides until 10 p.m. and then we <laughs> then we head back to the hotel and then. Then, they, then they're lined up for demos at 7 a.m. The demo people aren't here yet, and the Americade riders are outside the truck saying, all right, let's get this thing moving. So, Yeah. Hopefully, maybe I'll see you at Moto America, Laguna Seca. Uh, not this summer, oh. but that, that was more fun when it was MotoGP. That was yeah. great. The World Superbike part is cool, the Moto America. You know what I like? I like the Battle of the Baggers. That's a new yes. type of racing that's really cool. Now, you want to talk about crazy Racing baggers on a racetrack, that's crazy. And it's mm -hmm. fun to watch. And, you know, so, so good for them. Hey, and it's bringing all of the worlds together with that. Yeah, it, it brings more people in. And you know what I want to see on that? Yeah. Passengers. <laughs> Come on. Get someone on the back of that thing while you're racing around the track. How much, how much more fun would that be to watch? Just, just somebody on the back slapping you in the helmet saying, slow down. Slow down. What the hell's wrong with you? Well, you know what I want to see? You as the first passenger. I've been a passenger on a racetrack. I got to ride. So you don't know who you're talking to, lady. <laughs> I did a lap with Freddie Spencer, yeah. world champion. Let me tell you something. Freddie is faster with you on the back than you will ever be by yourself. But, it's a, but it was very cool, and it was amazing. So what else do you think I haven't done? You don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> Ain't nothing I haven't done, lady. If it's on two wheels, I've done it. Well, so I know on one three thing wheels, do, I'm going to. I'm five years away. <laughs> I know one thing you're going to do. You're going to be here tonight performing again. It's going to be a show here tonight at 8 o'clock. It'll be packed. We'll have a ball. And, and AMA still won't give me the mini bike. That's, I've been trying to get that thing. <laughs> they're they're going to give away that BMW, which is very cool. But they said everybody who comes in wants to win the mini bike. Right, guys? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming. I hope you enjoyed Alonzo and getting to know him a little bit better. And, uh, yeah, for me, big, you know, thank you for coming also for, um, and for ha having me here as a guest and showing me such a good time and such great hospitality. I love it here. So thank you very much. All right. You, in three years, we'll let you know the restaurants that are open late. <laughs> but you got to show that you're one of us before we let you in on our secrets. I got to earn it. All right, thanks, Lonzo. Thank you. Thanks very much. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there you go. Pretty cool, huh? He's yeah, a that's awesome. He's a real biker through and through. It was great to get to know him beyond what he talks about, you know, just in his comedy and to get to, you know, ask him some some questions and get into his head a bit. Great guy, but yeah, as you saw, he he called me out for referring to people as real bikers. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't mind a little controversy, right? And obviously, I, I know. <laughs> but by by real bikers, yeah, I meant these are. I mean, serious bikers. Serious bikers. These are my yeah. people. Um, yeah. these are people who are riding because they love to ride, not because of how it looks, but then the fashion comes with it. And, and full disclosure, I've had, yeah. I've had chaps. I've had mm -hmm. a vest. 
I've done the whole thing. I still have a skid lid. I've dressed the part. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. But, you know, I, 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 I rode too. And that's why I think I've passed judgment on people who, uh, you know, go out once a month. But here's the thing. And, and this is yeah. kind of what uh, Alonzo's point is. Don't beat up on them. It makes them happy too. Mm-hmm. Whatever makes hmm. them feel good, we are all the same. I mean, in Bagel, yeah. I would think you probably understand more than most because scooters don't get the respect. Generally, yeah. You happen to be a hardcore scooters, which is not the majority of scooters. It, it's a pretty rare breed. Definitely. It's a rare breed. <laughs> but you know what? You are like, to me, like those. People out at AmeriCade, they showed me there are, are see, I keep saying real or legit. There are hardcore bikers who wear vests and, and skid lids, just like there are hardcore scooterists yeah. who just love to get out there riding. They all, all y'all can outride me. So <laughs> thank you to Alonzo for schooling me and uh, putting me in my place as he cool. should. And so that's my apology to everyone. No, you know, but I don't apologize if you only ride to Starbucks on Saturday. I'm, I'm still, I'm looking at you, man. I'm looking at you. <laughs> but aren't those the uh, the BMW GS riders? You know what? <laughs> and the Ducati squids, and you know, yeah. that's the thing. Uh, you can make fun of all of them, and that's part of who, what his routine is. Who, who else can we get ourselves in trouble with now? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Um, a lot, a lot of Alonzo's routine is he's going down the line and ask. He asks them what they ride, and then he says, mm-hmm. "Did you ride here?" Mm-hmm. Many of the people trailered there. Mm. So then this is why he's like, you know, kind of making fun of the people who trailer there. Mm -hmm. But then I thought about that too. And I processed that. Mm -hmm. Um, As somebody who's, there are reasons as somebody who's getting older myself, creature comforts are nice. And if, when you have a rig with a setup and you're bringing maybe your dog and your kennel and your, you know, your creature comforts, you know, and your family and, All the things, and maybe your eight-person tent and your cots, and yeah, you know, I I get it. You want to ride your bike there, you know? Yeah, there there are reasons for it. I get it. I I I get it. So, um, but not if you're young and capable, you should be riding. And that (laughs) ninety-six-year-old putting you all down. I'm just saying, in in your face. Yep. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, once again, big thanks to um, to everyone who came out to AmeriCade. Everyone who came and said hi. We had a lot of listeners who showed up with their, our T-shirts there. That was nice. awesome. And I love that. Do you know that. how many people uh, attended and all? You know, I don't know. I, Christian told mm-hmm. us in the last episode what they were guessing. I, I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay. I can tell you that um, one day, I think it was Wednesday, it rained most mm-hmm. of the day. And like everyone just disappeared. Like, I don't know where they went. There's nobody there. So, uh, I turned the, the main stage in the big tent to my own personal karaoke. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, how am I not surprised? In fact, I did it every night. (laughs) Were you singing show tunes the whole time? (laughs) Uh, I did some show tunes. And then when Haley got there, she joined me. 
you know, yes. and Inter-space I remember uh, <laughs> at the back of the big main tent was uh, the AMA uh, uh, tables and uh, okay. a bunch of our friends at the AMA were all there. I remember, I think on the last night, I'm like, oh, okay, time for karaoke again. And I just, <laughs> and I, and I, I hear this, oh no, from the back. <laughs> I'm like, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> You you're winning a uh, winning a fan base. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh it was fun. Oh, and um just, uh wanted to, as I'm wrapping up share with you um representing um um WRN WRWR WCM all right uh motorcycles and misfits uh all these organizations what they have in common is they're all representing women riders. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, we went there with a group of us representing women writers and we unknown to the, uh, to the vendors, we walked around and talked to every vendor, checked out every vendor booth. Mm. And we had awards to give out to some of the vendors who we thought, um, catered to, um, women. Very cool. Just trying to award them. So, like um, big shout out to, um, one and you may like this. Uh, I found a tent of uh, selling gear, real mm-hmm. gear, yep. called Griffin G R Y P H O N. Okay, and it's a husband and wife starting their own gear company, hmm. designing and and manufacturing gear. They had amazing prices that were show prices there, but they also mm-hmm. had a mannequin out front that had women's gear on it. Excellent. And when we said, hey, you know, thanks for having women's gear. And the guy said, oh, don't thank me. Thank my wife. She absolutely insists that we make this stuff and and have it here. So we gave them an award and it meant the world to her to be acknowledged. Awesome. And I ended up ordering a jacket, a vented jacket. They didn't have my size there. Mm -hmm. But he said he'll he'll ship it to me. I really like their stuff. G-R-Y-P-H-O-N. Check it out. It's a new startup company. And another really cool product that people might appreciate, and you wouldn't think of this as catering to women specifically, Mm -hmm. but it was a motorcycle dolly called Condor, C-O-N-D-O-R. Oh, yeah. They make make, uh, wheel chocks for motorcycles. Yes. Yeah. They have wheel chocks, and they have this dolly, which is basically a ramp that's only about you know two inches off the ground maybe mm-hmm. that you just ride up onto it. it's level to the ground mm-hmm. and um you ride up onto it and it has a wheel chalk so you pull up into the wheel chalk and it holds the bike yeah. you can now get off the bike and it has uh, you can lower the wheels you can now push a large bike mm-hmm. anywhere easily you can push it sideways backwards you can spin it around yeah so we gave an award to them not that they're catering to women, but it's an equalizer for all people, regardless of size or gender, that yeah. anyone can easily, uh, with space issues, push their mm-hmm. bike into their garage. Yeah. So we That's love that. Cool. So we gave them an award. Um, also, um, for boots, the best selection of boots for women boots, believe it or not, was Cycle Gear. Oh, wow. And they had a good selection there. And so we gave them an award. And then the last one was, and I apologize, I can't remember the name of the company, but it's a female-owned company that makes heated gloves. Mm, And uh, uh, it's 
heated gear, heated gloves, something like that. Uh, God, I can't remember right now. Anyway, she was great, and a lot of the women really liked it because she had sizes that fit them. Excellent. Which is hard to find. Right. That weren't too know, bulky. Right, because that I know I've heard that's that's been a, a really difficult item for for women riders is 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 well fitting women's gloves from what I've heard. So In fact, let me try yeah, and that's really nice. let me look that up because I want to give her credit. It was here we go. Heated for you. Heated for you. Yeah. Heated the number four, the letter U. Hmm. Heated for you. Great um, gloves. And Lily really liked it. I think she bought some mm -hmm. because they, or, and I think Rachel got some. Um, yeah. They can plug into the bike, but they also are compatible with some of the common heated gear companies that like you already curbing. like, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So they will plug into, if you have the jacket already, they Excellent. were made to be kind of universal to fit into a lot of things. Yeah. This seemed cool. really smart. So yeah. those are four companies I wanted to give a shout out to again. Um, a great time. <sighs> I guess I got to wait till next year. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, also, Hey, looking forward to uh, Stumpy John. Yeah, he's still in Pakistan right now. I think they're in Gulmit or Hunza. Mm, uh, okay. I think he's coming back next week. Can't wait to hear his stories. And mm -hmm. um, uh, award-winning Mike just got back from his trip with Cat at Laoda Escapes. He came by the garage today. He was mm -hmm. so stoked. Oh, nice. He said Kat did an amazing job. It's like Kat thinks of the things before you do. Uh-huh. And has <laughs> just everything kind of worked out, sorted out, <clears throat> that you're so mm -hmm. taken care of. Um, yeah, that's the impression I get. Yes. So uh, we're going to get um, a report from Mike. He can't wait to tell everyone. But I think that that's great because, you know, um, Kat from Layout Escapes, um, He's a you know, friend of the show, been on the show many times. Mm -hmm. He always has great advice to offer. None of us have been on the tour, really experienced it. Now I feel really good promoting his tours now that we know through Mike's experience that mm -hmm. he's doing a great job. Yeah. So nice. we'll get a report on that. And uh, do you have anything coming up? Um, not entirely sure. I may be going down to a scooter rally in Eureka in a couple weeks. Oh, hey. Um, and but got to see if I can get the time off. Are you going to be prepping a scooter for a long ride next month? Um, still not sure yet. Okay. I uh, haven't, haven't figured that out. I, I, I would like to, but I'm, I haven't, haven't made up my mind. We'll figure it. We'll, we'll see soon. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Suspense is killing me. So yeah. So we got <laughs> AMA Vintage Days coming up next that we're all getting excited about. There's so much going on right now. Yeah. Um, and also I wanted to give a big thanks to Lily and Rachel for uh, coming and being part of the Chickistan presentation. That was real nice. good. And awesome. also for my partner in crime, Haley Bell, <laughs> we have so yeah. much fun together. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've, I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a great time, and I think everyone enjoyed her there as well. Mm -hmm. So I think that's it. I can't think of any more announcements other than I'm so tired. 
Yeah. <laughs> you you need some rest, Liza. It's been a very long day. <laughs> oh, I know. Um, Bagel, again, thank you for showing up and being here. Um, My pleasure. I put you up there with our Patreon subscribers. Well, I am a Patreon subscriber too. Yes, you are. <laughs> thank you for that too, Bagel. And oh, yeah. thank you to everyone else who's a Patreon subscriber. Yes, um, thank you all. Yeah, it means a lot to us. And um, big thanks to just everyone, our listeners, and especially the listeners who came out and wore shirts. That was mm-hmm. so yeah great to see. Um, I just, I like our people. And now I know not to judge somebody on a Harley I just have to basically, you know, it's like, all right, if they're wearing flip flops on a scooter, mm-hmm. no. And if they're wearing a bikini, no. But any anyone else is cool by me. How's that work? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I shake my head at people who wear flip flops on scooters or anything. <laughs> so I'm with you there. <laughs> yeah. So I think we're ready to get out of here. Go to motorcyclesandmisfits.com. Send us an email at RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. Keep those emails coming. We had some great ones uh, this week. I'm going to roll them over to next week, I guess. You can also go to MotorcyclesAndMisfits at gmail.com now that I have that <laughs> that uh, email up and running. And I think that's it. Um, wave to everyone. That's, that's it. That's the one thing I learned when Haley, we were on stage, and she's like, yo, why, 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 how come the guys on Harleys won't wave at me? And she's so funny. She's just, she started out just the little wave and then it turned into like, eventually like she's like waving her arms. Like she's trying to flag somebody down. And they're just <laughs> ignoring her. Nice. But I think it's because there's just so many bikers going back and forth. Like, nobody's waving at each other yeah that's kind of one thing like if you're at an event and everybody's around it's like you can't wave to everybody i know but it's so funny just seeing her just waving like hello (laughs) (laughs) all right thanks everyone time to get out of here this is liza bagel and we are out of here cool cool